to the ether today is friday january 14th 2022 this episode of the ether is brought to you by orbital command a community validator on terra dedicated to educating expanding and promoting the lunatic community visit oc's what we do page using the link in the show notes to take advantage of some of their other educational resources including weekly meetups to discuss terra protocols strategies and concepts the terra luna intel report on telegram youtube explainer videos on terra concepts and much more you can also support their community efforts by considering them next time you're delegating or redelegating your Luna. Find out more at orbitalcommand.io. TerraSpaces appreciates their support. Today on the Ether, we have the Jackal AMA. Let's take a listen. How's your day been so far? It's been all right. Um, been, uh, you know, catching up, checking out Secret going up to like 8.50. Yeah, that's wild, isn't it? Yeah. This whole uh, Tarantino NFT thing has been uh, making the price look pretty good. <laughs> seems like it for sure. Seems like it for sure. Emery, I'm going to invite you up here to speak, dude. Sending Will an invite. Now I'm sending you an invite too, if you're interested. Yeah, just so any, everyone knows, um, we're just running this in a, in a really informal, kind of ask me anything-esque template. So if you want to come up and speak, just raise your hand. Um, I'm also teaching Will how to how to work one of these things. Give me a second here. Marcy, can you speak to how you actually accept these invites? Because this is something that's new to us right now. It just popped up on the top of my screen, um, and I just clicked accept. It was pretty straightforward. I don't know. Oh, but is it um, if you're on desktop, I don't think you can speak. Ooh, that is the issue, for sure. Yeah, you have to be on mobile to speak. If anyone has any questions, feel free to raise. Oh, there we go. What's up, Will? I guess he doesn't want to talk. No, he's going to mute himself. Gentlemen? Yeah, I can hear you now. What's up, dude? Uh, currently just voicing a concern to Twitter help uh, for desktop <laughs> compatibility for animals. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Anyone wants to ask any questions, raise your hand, we'll bring you up. Hey, Oscars, how's it going, man? Hey. Hey, guys. All good? How are you doing? What's up? All good. All good. Keep building. <laughs> um... Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want to ask guys about this um, validator setup. Uh, are you already open? Like, is it is is there a possibility that we can participate from other? Yeah, absolutely. So, Marcy could probably speak to that the best. How we're going to be doing this is it's essentially anyone is going to be able to throw up a node. In the early days, we may have to KYC our nodes mm -hmm. just because we don't want a, a malicious takeover our system right out of the gate. That would be a little bit tough. But um, once we get to a certain kind of threshold amount of nodes, um, we'll just open it up for anyone that wants to hook in. All right. Is it possible to be like early adopters? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like we're, we're looking for anyone in the early days to throw up a node once we get that configuration set. In the beta, it's going to be on the testnet and the nodes probably going to be run by us just so we can figure out 
um, round trips of all the files and making sure that everything's not corrupted while they're it's it's we're essentially incentivizing people mm-hmm. to come and break our system where mm-hmm. um if you fill out a specific report of how you broke our system essentially we're going to be rewarding you with pre mm-hmm. um pre-launch tokens mm-hmm. marissa if you want to speak about the val uh the nodes that's probably a good time to do it yeah basically they're just um well, they're just going to be like a simple piece of software that we're going to have you run on a uh just any sort of system that like meets our minimum specs. Um, and yeah, so like early on, we are probably going to be doing like a, you have to register with us to host a node just so that, you know, nothing goes wrong mm-hmm. in the early days. And we have direct lines of communications with everyone running. But um, once we open it up to like the public, it's just going to be software you download from GitHub and then you just boot it up and you're joined to the network and then you just, basically run like one request to our smart contract and your node is linked up and ready to go and you'll be rewarded for running that node. Yeah. Is it possible to uh, help you guys out on, on the testnet as well? Yeah. So during uh, when, when we first, our first launch, it's going to be like just us running like two nodes just to basically check that everything is good. The nodes create a proper network and everything. But they're all going to be in-house. And then once we launch our, like, actual beta test, that's when we're going to start bringing in, mm-hmm. like, nodes to run on the test net. Yeah. Great. Uh, sign alter up the first one, please. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> we, yeah, we are uh, supporting you guys. So uh, we're super stoked yeah. what you're doing. So we want to support you as, as much as we can, including the validator setup so you can be more decentralized as well. And, uh, yeah, cool stuff. Yes, yeah, sounds good. We'll definitely reach out. Like when we get to the stage of actually getting our nodes up and running, we'll definitely hit you guys up like ASAP. Yeah, cool, cool. Thanks. All right. Good luck. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, thank you so much. If anyone has a question, feel free to raise your hand and come on up. I think I'm here now. Hey, Emery, how are you doing, dude? <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah, I didn't realize it was only for mobile. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know we're just getting the hang of the whole Twitter Spaces thing as well. It's, it's, uh, this is our second. We we did one in the early early days when we didn't really know what our product was, but now we're we're, we're right on track. Excellent. Hey, can we talk about the alpha a little bit? Maybe we can get people excited for it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, so essentially, what our our alpha is, it's a testnet alpha, so we can kind of figure out all the bugs and figure out all the specific uh, issues with the the current system, and. What's exciting about it is it, it would be the first truly decentralized hot cloud storage um, available from what we looked at. Um, direct competitor would be storage, but storage is, uh, when you look at their network fingerprint, they just use Google. So we're, we're and Amazon, I guess, as well to, to host different things. But what we're creating here is essentially just a completely decentralized cloud storage solution where the end user owns their data through their uh, Kepler wallet. And uh, through the IBC, we can kind of integrate with all kinds of different platforms all the way through the entire Cosmos ecosystem. So what the testnet is, is essentially uh, the first time to kind of upload a file to our system. And once it's uploaded there, um, we encourage people to kind of play around with the system and test it out in different ways and try to load up strange files and all kinds of things like that to figure out what... uh, what's good for the system, what's not great for the system, and then filling out forms. And once you fill out the form, you'll be rewarded with pre-launch tokens. Hey, on-chain report, you're now a speaker as well. Hey, thanks so much for letting me pop on here. 
I was just curious if you could provide a quick update on how the uh, like seed round or funding rounds are going and what type of investors you're looking for. Like, is it simply a value added or uh, any accredited investor or how does that work? Yeah. So right now we're looking like um, we're going to be overcommitted for our private raise, essentially is what we're calling it. And the investors that we're looking for is, is essentially individuals that we can partner with for a really long time. And it's, it's not a, just really about the money. The money's essentially getting us um, kind of kicking the ball down the road until we can have like a really profitable product. So in the meantime, what we're looking for in the private sale is is teams and we're kind of classifying the the angel investors and the venture capitalist firms of, uh, of three different ways, one being marketing, the other one being uh, it's a marketing firm or is it a development firm or is it kind of like a legal and operations firm or is it um, what, what's the value added? So we're actually looking for really strategic partners at this time. Um, we're looking to kind of close it down end of January, mid-February and start to kind of fill in the cap table so we can all get our heads around what uh, who we think we're going to be working with and how they can help. That's exciting. Thanks. Yeah, no, thanks for asking the question. CryptoCam, I'm going to bring you up here. I'm going to invite you to speak because I would love your input if you're interested. Um, I actually have a yeah. question. <laughs> uh, how much you're raising and uh, do you know already who's going to be the co-lead investor? The, co- the co-lead investor? Uh, we're not really taking lead investors per se, but we... Okay. Uh, Cool. We're, we're we're essentially right right now. It, it's uh, we're raising five million, and we have about three and a half million pledged. Do you guys have any updates on the roadmap? And I apologize if you already mentioned this, but um, just wondering no, anything new. This is a yeah. This is a great great time to to ask about that. So where we are on our roadmap is we're looking to kind of firm up the the private raise end of January, um, February fourteenth. We're going to do the alpha. And we're going to close the alpha in early March. And then we're going to kind of have a little bit of time for us to regather ourselves. And then we're going to push to mainnet beta at the end of March. Um, after that, then we get to start into um, bring on a, a team as large as possible. That's going to be an integration team where they're going to run around and try to integrate with as many products as possible. Um, also, we kind of have that growth stage as well starts with kind of like a franchise model per se, where if you have a certain amount of Jackal tokens and you stake it, then you unlock enterprise bandwidth and you can white label the Jackal product relative to the privacy laws in your specific region. And the reason why we went with that model is so that we can maintain the integrity of the underlying infrastructure while also providing um, specific services to, for example, hospitals and, and other industries that wouldn't directly work with a DeFi entity. But um, yeah, that's kind of where we are right now. Um, and then we're going to start giving debt grants for people to uh, people to build applications on top of Jackal as well. That's the that's the plan. Awesome. Uh, could you and maybe you don't have this information off the top of your head, but could you kind of dive into the franchise model a little more? I guess. So you're saying if you hold the X amount, you'd then receive more bandwidth or more storage, is what you're saying, or you'd be providing. Yeah, so so this is kind of our, our pipe dream, and the the thought is is that we know we're not naive to the fact that a lot of industries won't work directly with us, and um, it takes a lot for an industry to kind of get up to speed on how DeFi works and purchase the crypto and then pay us in crypto. So for that kind of Web two point five franchise model, what we're doing is that an entity that is comfortable with that stuff can 
unlock an enterprise bandwidth so that they can turn around and they can resell our products so that we can um, so for example certain industries have to maintain certain laws uh, whether that be privacy laws whether that be all kinds of different things but we don't want to abide by that directly as Jackal but a third party can white label the Jackal product and then resell it if they're interested okay. so that's kind of the idea behind that um, the, the other thing is kind of just integration with as many kind of web 2.5 infrastructures. I almost want to say where there's, there's a lot of services that have contacted us and they've asked us if we're able to do something along the lines of um, like a Trello comparable where you go to one place and they offer a suite of services, for example, and they, uh, they kind of bridge to that traditional um, markets that use the legacy system. Got Okay, I mean, that, that helps. Was, so this is kind of similar to, I guess, what DVPN is kind of doing as well, where you can basically whitelist and create your own product, and then you can go out and actually sell that service to others. So this would be the same for Jackal. You basically just build on top of Jackal, and then you would resell your own bandwidth. That would be probably you know rebranded to whatever business purchased it. Is that all correct? Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're fully comfortable with that. We're an open source software, number one. And, and number two, we just want to increase the amount of unique transactions on Jackal, provide um, value in as many ways as possible through Jackal. Gotcha. And so um, does that yeah, generate, I guess, value for the token then because they're using it um, in transactions? Or would they be more or less staking the token and that's more of the incentive? Yeah, so... So to unlock that, that kind of bandwidth, we haven't decided exactly how we're going to do that because it, it's still really down the line. But the thought right now is we want to um, we want to incentivize as many actions as possible to make your token e-liquid, whether that's through staking, whether that's through liquidity providing. And the utility of the token right now is to, number one, participate in governance, but also number two would be to um, receive enterprise bandwidth and also earn passive income through uh, staking rewards as well and that's something that emory's been working really really hard on and he's the economics guy that's been working day and night on, on trying to figure out a good way that we can use our tokenomics and i think we're starting to settle on on a specific idea right now awesome well yeah obviously super excited to see more of the uh final tokenomics but either way pretty cool stuff yeah no thank you so much for the question emory if you want to comment on anything like that go for it dude yeah, sure. Um, so Jackal is in a relatively unique position in such that we offer a product, uh, yet at the same time, we want to incentivize uh, holding Jackal rather than rather than spending it. So it's, the, the two ideas are uh, inherently conflicting. So it's the tokenomics are, are a little tricky, but I think we found a good way to make sure that the circulation of Jackal is uh, it's easy to circulate, but at the same time incentivizing staking. So um, it's it's been a bit of a challenge, but I think uh, I think we'll have a good model uh, down the road. So um, We'll be testing that relatively soon to see if this model works out, and if we do, and if it does, then uh, it'll be it'll be a little um, revolutionary. No, no other. I don't know of any other tokenomic models that that do this. Offer a product yet want to incentivize uh, holding on to Jackal rather than spending it at the same time. 
and, and just to throw another, I guess, stake in, in the, the wheels of, of Adam Marie, we also need to ensure that the Jocko token can always incentivize our nodes because that's the um, that's kind of the, the lifeblood of this whole product is if we can't incentivize our nodes, then um, no one will provide storage. So the, the idea is, is that we kind of have to play with the economics of this so we can ensure that we always have token to incentivize those nodes. And it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a problem, but I think we're really, really close to a solution. Yeah, interesting. I, I guess I've, I'll need to think kind of on my end just how you go about incentivizing those, those nodes. I think I have some ideas, but obviously I'm interested to hear what you guys have been thinking as well. So when that yeah. time comes, I'll be listening. Yeah, no, we, we would love any, any and all input. And I know Emery probably has something to say to that as well. Hey, CryptoChem, I think we've talked a few times actually offline before. We should uh, we should have a chat again. Absolutely, anytime. Just reach out. Uh, do you, is your name the same on like Discord or Telegram or? Uh, yeah, we've talked about uh, we've talked about uh, cryptocurrency uh, bookkeeping and accounting. Uh, uh, yeah. Yep, yep. I know yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's it's, uh, unfortunately my specialty is accounting, so it's kind of cool getting into this side of things, the whole different realm, but very interesting. Absolutely. We'll talk. Cool. Would somebody be able to kind of walk through what the reseller model would look like as far as uh, how you would divvy up the um, territories or the specific um, areas they're allowed to sell in? That's a really good question. It's something that we have to put a lot of thought into. Uh, we're still kind of focused on, on creating the, the underlying product right now. But we, we don't know. This is a really difficult kind of catch-22 we find ourselves in, is whether or not we would actually divvy up territories uh, at all. Reason being is, is that we, we kind of encourage a, a free market because we think that helps the end user, but we also understand that that creates unnecessary competition for early adopters. So the other thing that, that is, is not that great, if we start to KYC essentially our franchisees, then we have a, a, a secondary issue where we now have information on our franchisees and if they're acting in the benefit of, uh, for example, there's a... Um, Let's say there, there's an oppression issue in a specific country. Um, it's it's really kind of hard for us to think about it. And we come from Canada, but we know people come from the United States as well. Um, if you look at situations like we're seeing in Hong Kong, and we look at situations that we're seeing in other other countries as well, where it's really difficult to do a, a lot of things relating to, let's say, free speech and things like that. And if we start to, to collect information on the individuals that may be the liberators of that specific geographical region, that creates kind of also the security vulnerability for them as well. So we have to be really careful about what we decide to um, take in as KYC information. And, and that's kind of one of those problems that we're going to need a lot of community input to solve number one, and, and number two, uh, that might even have to be pushed to a DAO vote. Got it. Love the answer. Thanks. Yeah, no, thanks for asking the question. Just so everyone knows that anyone listening, feel free to raise your hand and come up and ask any questions you might have. <laughs> On that note, how's the search for the other developers coming along? Uh, it's been pretty good. So we, we're able to scale our team to seven so far, and we're about to kind of um, hopefully we can um, – I guess this would be a little bit of an uh, it would be an alpha leak, but we just got approved for a second grant, which is really interesting from 
another entity. So we're, we're really excited with what we're able to do and, and it kind of extends our, our ability to develop the product. Um, we kind of had a, right now when it comes to money, that's something that we don't have a lot of right now <laughs> until we finish the private sale at least. So we got a secret labs is the, the first that gave us that, that big grant that really helped us out, let us scale up to seven. And now we kind of got another grant that matched the Secret Labs grant. So um, either we scale up our team more or we have a longer runway. And both situations are a lot better than the current situation we're in. So when it comes to devs, I guess that's something Marcin, Marcin can speak to. But we have uh, right now we have three devs going full time. And then do you guys know what your plan is with this second grant? Like, do you have a kind of anything earmarked that you want to do for sure with it or kind of like a list of things you want to do? If 100% of that money could go to hiring more developers, that would be the thing that we would do with it, 100%. Um, I know Myerson needs a little bit of help, but he Love hasn't slept in, 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 in a few weeks. But uh, also, um, I know Nugget's listening too. He's, he's our other contract dev. And then um, we have a third um, front-end dev that, that's starting to work. Awesome. No, always good to hear that you know when you're starting your the money's going towards devs getting that product right and making sure it functions as intended is obviously the most important piece so yeah so, that. no absolutely and uh essentially what our devs are right now um, we kind of have 14 weeks that is allocated to dev work and we kind of have eight weeks worth of kind of marketing business development things like that um even though essentially all of us are working full-time on it but uh i guess we get we get paid full-time now if we get the second grant i guess well, much deserved, I can only imagine. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's been interesting. It's all moving a lot quicker than we ever expected, for sure. Yeah, I think just because there's such a need, there's really nothing out there like Jackal, but it's clearly something that's needed. Yeah, it's it's the it's hard to say a product is is decentralized when, like, I don't know. For example, there's a, there's a lot of products out there. That, that's really difficult for them to be decentralized. And that's because of the infrastructure, the fundamental underlying infrastructure isn't there for it. And um, I, I think Jackal would, would be really one of the only places where you're able to store files by logging in um, with your Kepler wallet, which is really, really cool. And owning those files, it's essentially like a SSD in the cloud that only you can access. And uh, we, we think that's that fundamental shift has to happen. Um, if we're going to make all these crazy advancements with technology and we have this interconnectedness and these echo chambers, I think it's really important for us to have that fundamental human right that is privacy as well. And um, it, I think it's kind of time for a shift in, in business models as well. And, and we're really excited where, where this is going. Agreed. And I think another big initiative is just, I guess, letting or I guess educating people on how little privacy and data protection they currently have. I think a lot of people assume when they're using some of these storage sites that everything is completely, you know, locked up and, and protected. And that's just not the case. Um, a lot of times they're actually storing some of, for these NFTs, even like the actual images off chain and on these storages in these storage clouds where people can go look them up on the blockchain and basically see your NFT, see everything about it. So we were just talking about that on uh, TerraSpaces last night, actually, about like how everyone thinks like IPFS is just totally decentralized, but like those files are pinned on like one node, and unless another node volunteers to pin them, like they're just gone forever if that main node goes down. Yeah, if it shuts down, like your stuff's gone forever. 
Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Like I think the only real like decentralized file system out there right now, well, there's a couple, but it's like basically uh Filecoin and Siacoin are the two that come to my mind. And then the rest are kind of like cool pinning services, but like you're not paying anyone to store your files. So like where who has incentive to store them? And like Siacoin and Filecoin have this barrier of entry that you need to run a node and everything. So it's a it's a very different space to be moving into and like decentralization is kind of it's a little bit of a buzzword that's being thrown around right now um especially with things like nft storage and everything and it wasn't isn't there an issue with the privacy side of it too and i I know that there's some level of privacy but it's more of like a the way i understood is like they're hashing it in a way that's it's still breakable pretty fairly easy if you have the tools or time yeah like where jackal should actually protect your data completely with with filecoin um just because we're working so closely with them and everything um their files are not encrypted at all like if you upload a file to filecoin if anybody has the id of that file and like the miner that stored it they can just get it back like as long as they pay the miner or whatever it takes to retrieve the file they'll just get it so unless you are somebody that has like encryption software on your computer and you go and encrypt a file every time you push it to the Filecoin cloud and then decrypt it every time and manage your keys by yourself, um, that's just a huge hassle to get privacy. And so with the Jackal, all of your encryption keys are stored on the secret network, which obviously, unless you're giving away your private key, nobody can access those things. So those encryption keys are yours, but it's almost like this Jackal has this really cool built-in encryption key manager where all your files are by default encrypted and everything, which just doesn't really exist in today's storage systems, even if they are decentralized. Yeah, no, that's, and which is crazy to think about that there really isn't a solution currently um, that does do that. So, I mean, do you, were you guys aware of the whole secret punks with the backgrounds basically being leaked yeah i I heard something along those lines and that's i I think if i'm being completely honest with you i think that's how we got our grant so quick is that that was the value that was kind of shown through our our grant application yeah i mean Um, i i think that's totally fair point i mean i think it is needed that the whole idea was you know that these would be private backgrounds and and no one would be able to ever see them unless you wanted them to but then through i think it was airweave they were able to back into how they encrypted them i think they did some sort of salt hash and then we're basically able to pull down the image the backgrounds and so they ended up releasing the rarity of the backgrounds and how many there were um and and it's still a cool project in my opinion and and the privacy aspects still add an element that wasn't there previously so i still think it's a good a good project i own a few myself but it was it was interesting to hear that and realize really like they're so even on the secret network, they're not private. Um, so yeah, I could definitely see where Jackal was a, a big point of emphasis for the secret network. Yeah, no, well, the secret network does a really good job at, in creating that private ownership, but the, the files still need to be stored somewhere. And that's, that's kind of what, what the product is, is we just kind of bring, there's decentralized storage out there being, for example, that would be Filecoin, but we're adding that layer of, kind of speed utility and privacy to that storage. And, and we think it's really important for the decentralization of data. 
and this this might be a better question for Marcin, but so and is the issue essentially with the storage, it, particularly let's say for like an NFT image, is it is it just file size that can't be stored on chain just because it's so large in aggregate? So you have to kind of go to a like a storage actual like chain itself off of the the secret network chain. Yeah. So like our our initial goal with Jackal, <laughs> we, we we wanted to try it, see how much we could store on chain. Um and that was just dumb. Like that was it was just testing it out. And uh you pretty much can't store more than like I think we got it to thirty five kilobytes or something like that. And there's like yeah. it, was, it was a word that we were able to store completely on chain. You said, yeah, you said it, it was basically like a hello world text file. And that was the maximum. Like if you tried to store an image, you could probably store like maybe, I don't know, like one of the secret punks thumbnails, you could probably Ooh. store like one sixty fourth of it on chain. And that would require multiple transactions to store the whole thing. Like it, it, it just got really tough to store it. So like storing anything more than like one word is just a huge hassle um and so yo well that was the thing like i i I was going into it with the idea like oh what if we did like a bunch of transactions and we made like this thing where you just signed it and it would loop through transaction for you and i'm like that's gonna cost so much gas just to store like like an image it's gonna be like a couple dollars per megabyte which just wouldn't be economical at all and so moving something off chain well then you run the risk of privacy issues right and like security issues all that and we obviously saw that with the um secret punks but the main thing that we've seen with like what people are trying to do to get around to this is like you create this weird middleman between something like filecoin or SciaCoin and your contract well your contract can't interface directly with filecoin because filecoin is its own blockchain altogether right And so you need this weird like middleman system. But once you introduce that middleman, well, now you've got a centralized point of failure where all your files have to be sent through that one spot. And that's still better than, say, like going straight to Amazon if it's like a privately hosted site. But at the end of the day, if you're hosting it on AWS and that middleman is on AWS, Amazon or Google Cloud or whatever is still getting all of the data that's flowing through it. And so we really just wanted to take that and say, hey, we need to like fundamentally rework the way that off-chain and on-chain is working together. And I think we've pretty much done that and made like a, if not perfect, near perfect hybrid of the secret network and something like Filecoin or SciaCoin. So now you guys are almost acting as that, that middleman, but more of a decentralized version of it. That'll be run by individual nodes. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was the that was the big thing with, with the nodes is my main concern was like, how do I interface our contract with Filecoin's backend if we want to keep it decentralized? And so what we ended up doing is just a massive network of nodes that you can interact with any of them. And basically you just get your pick of the law as a client. You just go, Oh, I'm going to send my file here. And then it just authorizes it with everything and you're good to go. And it, you don't have to do any of that hassle of setting up, your own Filecoin node, or you don't have to send it to a centralized server. You kind of just like bounce them around a big network. And then that network gives us the ability to create a cool hot storage layer too. 
So you're not just dealing with Filecoin, you're now dealing with Filecoin and our nodes. And it's fundamental that our nodes actually can't, um, this is something we should probably touch on because this is essentially yes, yes, yes. It, it, from the ground up. We can't ever access our end users data. We don't even know who, we don't know who our end user is. We don't know what their data is. We don't know what they're storing. Um, it, it's fundamentally, it's as secure. Uh, we want to say as secure of having your own SSD. Um, it's like a physical SSD that is your private space in the cloud. Yeah. Um, from, from a contract level, the only public information about your account, like let's say you load in your secret address, the only thing that an outside attacker could view about you is whether or not you are authorized to upload to Jackal. That's it. And, and that's just needed because our nodes need to make sure that you are authorized to actually send data. But other than that, like your data, how much data you're storing, all of that stuff is all private. And so nobody can make a fingerprint off of you other than are they authorized to store? Yes or no, and that, that's it. Which I think is pretty pretty much how you have to do it, right? Like even the secret network, the way it works is like the, the node operator can't see any of the inputs or outputs, but the node itself has to be able to confirm that the, the computation was verified and correct. So it's like, yeah, 100%. There does have to be some element of like publicity where it, like, you know, the secret network knows that you're using it. Right. But other than that, that's you're you're safe. You're totally private. Right. Got and it. It's up to your own operational security to how you treat your your wallet address. And and if you create a new wallet address, it's not like we're KYCing you, so no one knows it's you, unless right. you make it known that it is you. And on top of that, another really cool thing you can do because we're just going through regular Cosmos blockchain wallets is you could set up an account for like you and all your friends and you could all share a multi-sig wallet or you could like authorize if you if you're running a company and the top three guys need to all authorize a transaction to let somebody else have the data you could put it in a multi-sig and you would require three signatures to do anything to the tree which is just like a totally new level of privacy and security that like just normal file systems don't have Awesome. And I, and I imagine you could even yourself have multiple wallets on a multi-sig so that if someone were to hack, let's say, your, your a wallet you have on a browser, they wouldn't be able to do anything like release the information because you'd have a second wallet that you'd have to almost two-factor authenticate. So yeah. That's really cool. And another, another really cool thing is like you can use a ledger to off, like or any hardware wallet, obviously, but um, you can use something like a ledger to authorize all of your transactions. So like, obviously it's a little more clunky, but if you're, if you're really dead set on security, nobody can touch your files unless they have your seed phrase in your pro like hardware wallet, which is just, again, like uh, unless your business is built up to use like smart card security and all that, which man, most people probably don't have that capability, but like, a random guy who's worried about his security can just go buy a ledger and then boom, he's got hardware level security on his files, which is just something that again, has not been done before. Right. Just making the, the kind of barrier to entry for a, a typical user, I guess the barrier to entry is low, but it also creates an additional 
in my opinion, a very secure layer of privacy that takes little to no effort from someone, even if they don't quite understand blockchain and, and crypto yeah. privacy. Yeah, and, and the, the whole idea to access that market is bringing it back to the franchising model where you can have these middlemen that can still provide you this low security and they'll manage your keys and they'll be the forgot my password button, I guess, And then if they choose to do so. I just had a follow-up too, unless, unless someone else has a question, go ahead. Would someone mind explaining to somebody like myself without a, without a programming experience how it is that uh, you're able to accomplish something that like storage is not able to accomplish, kind of the, the technicalities there in brief? Yeah, so like I think honestly what we're doing, like if you, if, if storage did like uh, technically it is possible obviously we we have to be we have to be making it possible but it's it's very it's a very hard thing to do and there's a lot of like a lot of behind the scenes stuff that goes on to make sure everything's secure and storage they're great like don't get me wrong but if i was to pick a cloud provider other than jackal it would probably be storage um just because they make it easy but that ease of use usually comes at the cost of giving away privacy. And so something like storage, they have a central space. Like they, from, we did a little bit of research and it, it's pretty centralized. Like they, their main system is spread across Google and Amazon and a couple other, but on a lot of big company servers, which there's nothing wrong with that um, per se, but if you, are going into something like wanting your data to be decentralized. Well, now you've got your data, which is not encrypted on your end. It's you send the file to them, which it's encrypted through the transaction. So nobody can see your file other than you and storage, but storage can still see your file. And then it's encrypted on their end and tossed over to their nodes and everything. But it still has to go through that middleman and they are the middleman. So if you trust that middleman, like that's great, but um, that trust makes their system feel a bit easier to use. But again, you're sending your fully unencrypted file straight to their doorstep. And if they wanted to be malicious, they could be. Um, so what Jackal's doing is we're just abstracting as much of it away as possible and creating this peer-to-peer -peer network. and. I, the thing that makes us so different to storage and the reason that we're able to do this is because we aren't really mining your data. Like Google could make what we're making. They just won't do it because it's not as profitable as their current model. Yeah, it's, um, count, it's counterintuitive to their business model where it, yeah. essentially Google, they make money off of selling ads and selling data. And that's kind of how they make money. And they also, obviously you, you pay for storage space, but, I wouldn't be surprised if they're also mining and selling that data too. If you look at storage, um, they they use Google, the Google Cloud platform. Um, they use Amazon. They use Cloudflare. They they use uh, essentially there's about twelve companies associated with their network fingerprint, and those are it's, it's essentially they use blockchain technology, but they're not decentralized, and, and that, that's a huge fundamental flaw um, in their system. And that's what we're trying to, you don't have to trust Jackal. It's completely open source. You can, you sign all your transactions for the own capital wallet. And from the ground up, you own the files. We can never access it. 
if Amazon went out tomorrow and there's an outage, you'll see how many of, well, we, we've seen this a few weeks ago where Amazon went out and then every single quote unquote decentralized platform also went out, which is strange, right? Cool. That makes sense. Thanks for clarifying. So would this be something where like an Akash or something could help out with kind of decentralizing some of this or is it, it kind really... of a difference? Yeah. Well, Akash, from my understanding, Marcin, you're probably better to speak on this, but they're, they're the cloud computing and the decentralized cloud computing. And they'd be a great gateway to, if you wanted to host a website on Jackal, host a website, but you still need a gateway to access it. So throwing up uh, like 12 Akash servers as gateways to access the website, that would be great. Uh, Marcin, if you want to talk to that. Yeah. So like Akash is, is I really like it. Um, and what they do is very similar to Filecoin, but instead of selling like storage space, they're selling like actual computing power. Um, and that computing power is something that smart contracts just don't have right now. Like I can't just boot up a like web server on a smart contract. That's just not how the infrastructure is set up. So if you want to inf interface your smart contract with the normal internet, like your web browser, you're going to need a middleman and um that middleman obviously like jackal because it's all web3 there we can't be the middleman um so you can access jackal through our specific gateways but you still need a, a quote unquote centralized client um and that client is just there to serve you web pages so that your computer can run all the calculations it needs to and then so what we can do with a cache is either we set up a cache to run our front end. So like you interacting with Jackal, you're interacting with Jackal through a cache, which is really, really cool. Um, or you can even use a cache if they have the hardware capability to run a Jackal node as well, which just improves the decentralization of it all. Um, the thing with a cache is a lot of the nodes running there aren't like very beefy they're more meant for like smaller you know like i have an extra computer lying around so i booted up to akash but that computer probably doesn't have the storage capabilities that we're looking for um on a minimum requirement for our node but if they do that's great you can boot them up um but a big thing is now what we can do is with jackal as the back end any app running on akash can use Jackal as the backend. Because if your Akash node dies, anything stored on it disappears forever. So if you're basically making your Akash node talk to Jackal, well, 10 different Akash nodes could all use the same Jackal backend. And if one of them goes down, who cares? You've still got all of your data backed up and you can just boot up a new Akash node and it'll run off of what the other one was doing because it's all stored on Jackal. And it creates this really cool system where the web can actually be trustless and you can run apps in a fully decentralized way. And you could give a user a choice between like 30 different Akash nodes to connect to your app so that they can pick a different one each time and never be fingerprinted even by their ISP. And it, it's, it opens up a whole new world of computing and how people are going to be accessing data. The other, the other super cool thing is, is that uh, if anyone knows anyone at the Brave, at Brave browser, please send them our way because if we can get a way to get Brave to read Jackal websites, that would be really, really cool the same way they're doing IPFS. If anyone has any questions in, uh, that is listening right now, feel free to come up as well. If you have anything to add, Marston, what are you thinking, dude? Um, I was just kind of going to 
bounce off that brave thing like with with the idea our, one of our first plans once jackal gets up and running is to be that web gateway um so like we will allow anyone to create like a www folder on their jackal node and then in that jack in that folder you can host all of your html files and your entire website in there and then you basically will just give a gateway access to read those files and then um one of the first things i'm gonna try and push out there is a chrome extension um in the time being that anytime you type in like jackal instead of like http in front of your um website it'll just take you to whoever's website you want based off of their jackal address because it'll push it all through a gateway and uh as long as you have that extension installed, you'll be able to browse Jackal websites like they're normal websites, which I think will just be like super, super cool. And I think it'll be one of the first good use cases for Jackal. Yeah, no, for sure. Hosting websites and, and just adds a whole other crazy layer to, to what we're able to do where you can just sign with your own wallet and you can host your own website. It's, it's, it's really interesting how this opens up all kinds of crazy possibilities. So I guess, how would that work in terms of um, the, like the revenue side, would you essentially charge people to host their website on Jackal through like staking or in paying with the kind of like your rewards you're collecting or would it be like a flat fee or based on data usage? Have you guys thought kind of about that model? Yeah, we, we've, we've come up with a bunch of ideas. Um, one of the first ideas that we came up with is uh, Dan's actually listening to the audience. Um, it was relating to using the pylon protocol for payments via yield. That was a really good idea that we were really entertaining right now, kind of like a subscription model. But we also want the ability to have um, a cash model if people aren't interested in, in doing that as well. Um, what that means is, is essentially you would pay us for X amount of storage. And then um, once you stop paying for that, you're... You, you essentially don't have access to the Jackal system. Your files aren't removed. They're not lost. They're not, uh, they're still stored and they'll be stored on Filecoin for an extra three years unless you choose to pay or you can pay to put up your own Filecoin node and go retrieve them yourself. But that's a really, really big investment to do that. And since Jackal storage is so cheap, instead of 22 to $25 a month per terabyte in legacy systems, we can get it all the way down to less than $5 a month. Um, per terabyte and, and that's kind of the thought what do you think Emerson? yeah uh, i mean that's that's all 100 percent true but basically like just kind of going back to the whole like website stuff we're not going to be charging any extra money to use jackal as a website host or anything it's just if you pay for jackal that whatever website you store falls under your storage quota and so like if you're hosting a website if you're hosting an app on jackal none of that will cost extra money it'll just be part of the jackal subscription or whatever it ends up being um but so any anything you do with jackal will be you're just included there's not going to be like a premium membership to host websites or do whatever it's just going to be you pay and once you've paid to get the storage you're good to go and you can use it for whatever you want and that's but that's assuming you stay under your your limits that you paid for, correct? Or because I assume you have like obviously a limitation of the amount of data or storage you can use. Uh, yeah, so we're still kind of working out how much that is, but um, like a web a website's pretty small, right? Like a, a good website 
um, as far as like the HTML and everything goes, it's usually not more than a gigabyte unless you're loading it up with like a bunch of really high resolution videos. Um, and so that will like be just included in the basically like the cheapest model you can buy from Jackal will be the like will host the full website. And as long as you're still with Jackal, um, that website will not go down for like at least three years or whatever we end up requesting that it um, be stored on Filecoin for. But um, all of that's built in just through Jackal. As long as you're still a Jackal customer, your website's still up um, for a long time too. Yeah, so uh, essentially how, how our system works is it, it's, we have this caching layer and that's what makes it, gives like the speed and utility to this private storage. But um, after a certain amount of time, if your file's not touched on the on the Jackal nodes, then it gets pushed to Filecoin cold storage where it sits there for about three years. And um, we will always continue to to have that as long as you continue to pay for Jackal. And if you don't want to pay for Jackal, then it'll just die after three years. And that's another cool thing. Like if, if you decide, hey, I'm done using Jackal, I don't want to use Jackal anymore. And then like a year later, you're like, oh shoot, I actually stored some really important stuff on there. I need them back. Well, you can just come to us and um, start up your Jackal subscription again or whatever end up the model is. And uh, away you go, you've got access back to your system. If we do a cash model, obviously, like it'll be kind of just like your quota. And once you run out, we're not going to delete your stuff um, just because that's not how our system works. So as long as you're within the time frame that we tell you up front, um, you'll be able to basically boot up your subscription again or whatever it ends up being. And you'll, you'll have full access to your files as yeah. long as it's yeah. within that time frame. And, and the way around that kind of cash model of like having the annoyance of always coming back and, and, and paying for another three years. The, the idea is if we can figure out a way to make this pylon protocol system work or a secret network equivalent, if someone chooses to make something along those lines, um, that's kind of like the subscription, just deposit X amount of dollars and you'll always have juggle. And if you need more bandwidth, just deposit a little bit more and we'll earn off the yield. And if you want your money back, you can go and get it, which is also a great added benefit that you can kind of have Jackal and keep your money too eventually. Anyways, if anyone in the audience has any questions, feel free to raise your hand, speak if any of the guys will, Emery, um, anyone else feels like asking any questions, feel free to come up and ask. I think the, <clears throat> I think the questions being raised right now are, are awesome and they're all, um, you know, they're playing into re you know, really well what we're, what we're going towards and what we're thinking about. I think I just keep, from a marketing standpoint, um, Marston, you really touched on it, but it's really sort of almost incredible how much the word decentralization is used alongside this industry when the meaning of that is, you know, like we just sort of discussed, rather ambiguous, especially, you know, when it comes to, to cloud storage, for sure. For sure. Like it, it's if you use blockchain technology, you're automatically decentralized now, which is really interesting. But um, that's what we're just trying to help. And we can't blame anyone because it's, it's the infrastructure that you have currently. And we don't have the ability to host websites. We don't have the ability to have um, really speed and utility unless you're using kind of like an, an archiving system such as Filecoin, such as Arrowweave, Siacoin. Um, Martian can probably touch on that a little bit more, too. Yeah, it's just, I mean, you guys kind of nailed it where like 
what is decentralized, right? Like is decentralized, like you have two different nodes running and like, oh, look at that. If one goes down, the other one still exists. Like, is that decentralized or does it have to be like 10 nodes or is it like anywhere you go in the network, there's at least like 20 paths to go to it. Like the word decentralized it from its like definition, they're, they're, it's really only like two things. Like you only need two nodes and then you can claim it's decentralized, which like to me personally, I don't, I don't deem that very decentralized. Like if I have control over those two nodes, like it's still decentralized per se, but it's not at all um, at the same time. So with, with Jackal, we're really trying to push that like true where nothing that you ever do will come into our hands. Um, it won't, fall into anybody's hands unless you explicitly give them permission to see what you're doing. And I think that's uh, really important, especially with the buzzwords floating around today. We're kind of, that's a big area of awareness we're trying to push. Yeah, no, it's, I think that's totally fair because as far as I can tell, decentralization, especially in this, in this kind of um, times right now, basically just means we're not one company who owns all the nodes. That's all it means. I mean, you could maybe have two people or, you know, multiple nodes, but only two people run them. And they'll say that's decentralized because you have, you don't have one company kind of controlling everything. But to your point, Marcin, I don't think that's decentralized at all. If a small group of people can completely shut down a network, um, kind of like Solana has done a few times. And I know they've worked with their, their kind of validators um, to, to get that done. It wasn't like they just turned an off switch, but it shows how it's really not as decentralized as people think. Yeah, no, you you just mentioned Solana. They're they're one of the like I think they're getting better and better, but they are that whole outage that they had, well, that kind of freaked me out, you know, from like a guy who's really working to make things decentralized. Like that just made me really question how decentralized are they if their whole network can kind of just be taken down in one fell swoop. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Um so we're really trying to push that like as long as the secret network's alive, as long as Filecoin's alive, Jackal stays alive and we're even trying to build in contingencies where if any of those things go down too, we're, we're still going to try and build ourselves up. Um, obviously we don't think they're going to go down, but we're just trying to build as much security and redundancy as we possibly can into our system. Cause we don't ever want people to lose access to what is theirs. And that's the cool thing about Jackal. It's it's we're kind of our own pirate ship where we're this IBC. We we can essentially integrate with everyone, but also we have to have contingency plans to make sure that the Jackal data keeps on going. Uh, no matter if Filecoin goes down, I don't think they will. But if they do, we have to figure something else out there. And the the idea of Jackal is to push forward, not exact, not exactly go back and fix the current issues with with, with current in, uh, systems. We want to kind of create cool dApps and we want to in, invite developers to come build on Jackal and, and do all kinds of things along those lines. Anyone has any other questions, feel free to raise your hand or ask away. Well, I don't have as, as much of a question. Well, I, I do have a question. Would you guys be able to jump on a live stream? I've got Carter from Shade Protocol coming on next Thursday, but but maybe the following Thursday. We did a video on on Jackal Dow, my, my, a good friend of mine. We have a we met studying economics years ago, and are, we're really fascinated with blockchain and its potential and how it can innovate markets. And 
you know, when you really look at crypto and blockchain, there's a lot of cookie cutter, copy paste things of stuff that, you know, it's a carnival circus of some cash grabs. That there's really not that much that much innovation going on when you really peel behind. Oh, another AMM. Oh, another DEX. Oh, another. Oh, it's, it's faster. It's cheaper here. But but I, I'm just so thrilled uh, to see what's going on. I'm, I'm just grateful to be a part of it and see what's happening with Secret Network and what you guys are doing, too. I, I think that Secret Network and these early protocols like like what you guys and, and Alter and other people are doing, this is really what blockchain and crypto is supposed to be about, wasn't it? Like that wasn't this the idea when blockchain and crypto got started that people would be able to do this because you were talking about decentralization, but privacy, too. There's a big misconception that that crypto is private and bitcoin and cryptos are used for all these nefarious purposes like meet me at the docks you know and uh, let's buy the nuclear weapons with your with your treasure wallet when in reality <laughs> people people in blockchain know that's like it's ridiculous it's like it's a uh, there's chain analysis already done right now you know and anyone can see where anything's ever gone once you, you you've sent them your public address and so once people you know, some people right now are just, just not learning the word Ethereum. Hey, have you heard of Ethereum? And those of us in blockchain are like, yeah, that's the thing that's impossible to do transactions on because the gas is ridiculous. Um, when when the learning comes catches up, more people will recognize the importance for privacy and protocols that you, you guys are building. So I would love to just hang out with you guys and talk about what you guys are building, what people can do, because I, I, I would love to learn more, too, about, you know, just the ideas of, of in the future, what can be built and to talk about like what you guys are the alpha you're dropping out. It's important for people to be able to understand in the world of crypto, things aren't as decentralized as as you think they are. And, and I would throw out and this is just I'm not my background's not in developing and in, in technical side of um you know, this stuff. So, but I would say from, from my perspective, decentralization, what matters is the, the no K if, if your nodes require KYC AML processes to be uh, licensed and registered to be one of the 10 nodes, then that's a problem. Like for me, whether it's two or three or four or five or, or, or 20 or 50 or 30, it's the idea that anyone can do it. Like the old Bitcoin, anyone can mine just, plug it in and you can go so the less barriers to entry so that there's more resilience and redundancy is what i look for in decentralization um okay yeah, yeah. for sure i mean i i'm i'm actually subscribed to your channel on youtube so i i would be super happy i'm sure i'm sure we both would to be uh coming on your show and like just hanging out talking um but yeah, like we're we're really, you know, going through exactly how to make everything decentralized and the buzzword thing, obviously. So it would be super cool to just like sit down and chat with you about like everything that Jackal's doing. And like, even if there was places that, you know, you and your community would like to see Jackal go, we always love interest and, in, you know, telling us what you guys think about where we should go as well. Yeah, input in general is, is really huge. And, and when you guys threw out that video on, I think it was like December 30th or 31st, it's towards the end of the year. It, it really, really helped us out and it made us really, really happy to see something like that. And we'd love to come on, on your show anytime. 
just uh, send me a DM and, and uh, I'll, I'll send you my email. We can throw together a, uh, a calendar invite or something. Sweet, brother. I love it. I'm looking forward to it. And um, yeah, I'm excited because what you guys are doing, it's just it's really it's groundbreaking. And this is this is really what we want to see crypto and blockchain do. We want to offer solutions for for people that that transform the market economy, that that give us opportunities to prevent those, you know, your your health documents being hacked from central servers where they're just replete with examples of the old way, the old system. And if blockchain is going to solve it, it's going to have to solve it with with privacy and not allowing peering eyes to be able to see what's going on. So, yeah, let's do it. I'll, I'm, I'm down. I'll, I'll DM you and I say, let's do it the, the very the Thursday after Carter comes on. Um, I'll, I'll be happy to set it up and, and get it going, because the sooner we can get this information out there and get more support, I know it's early. It's about getting people to recognize who's out there building something that's going to make the world a better place and and supporting it so it can, it can get there. We need more developers. We need more hardware. It, it's still early. 100%. Um, and we're, we're really happy to do that. Uh, um, uh, just send us, DM me, and I'll, uh, I'll put it in my calendar and make sure I make it. And uh, Car- we love Carter, too. Carter's one of our advisors uh, for Jackal, and he was one of the earliest people that really helped us out. So a- anything for you to come on that podcast, we would love. Does anyone else have any specific questions or anything uh, that you're looking to add? I know Dave just got up here. Yeah, I was actually kind of wondering, could you build like a social media type platform where people could actually interact? I thought I thought no one would ever ask. No, uh, that's what we're really excited about. Jackal is, is is we want to be a place that developers are supported, have really orientation, and ensure that um, it's a great place to build this kind of decentralized pirate ship. Let's say um, and just build things like social media's um, alter mail integrations, where they're building IAM services and, and stuff like that. Um, we've had a ton of people reach out regarding what they can build and what they can't build. Um, right now, the sky's the limit, and we're, we're looking to have as many people come in as possible. But we've seen, I'll just go kind of go off a list that I have here, the people that have asked us, can you build this or can we build this? Um, password managers, email IM service like Ultramail, e-discovery platforms, uh, we built one of those before we built Jackal because we needed a place to store evidence. And that's kind of how we got here. Uh, web hosting, Adobe sign comparables or um, DocuSign comparables, NFT distortions, bug bounty, and ethical hacking platforms where you can um, essentially tokenize files or tokenize vulnerabilities and, and sell them back to companies. Like kind of Google Docs-esque applications. We wouldn't want to say that Jackal is a G Suite, um, because we, we think the Kepler wallet should be the G Suite, and that should be your your wallet that you go around and you get. That's the whole point of decentralization, right? Is that your wallet is essentially your password, and it's a permissionless system. So we would just incentivize developers to build really cool applications and kind of go around with your Kepler wallet and have Jackal storage as that backend. Um, Dropbox comparables is kind of going to be what our MVP is like. And um, Twilio comparables where you can kind of have like a one-stop shop for enterprises, things along those lines. So what we're looking for is people to come and build on Jackal. And we want to incentivize that. And we also want um, essentially everyone to come and build. And that's what we're really happy about. So Dave, if you want to come build on us, we would love it. <laughs> or if you have any ideas or you want to just spark or have conversation, feel free to DM us anytime. I appreciate that, man. I'm actually not a developer. Um, it was just the whole interaction aspect. If I were to build a website, 
for my users could they actually store data on it as well on top of my website, you know, either upload pictures, um, blogs, you name it. Theoretically, if, if they would be able to access your website and maybe kind of have Jack or compatibility where you could sign all the transactions, Marcy, if you want to speak to that. Yeah. So like, uh, it's kind of different than what you were going to say, I think, but, um, something that I've been really like looking forward to with Jackal is a company could store like your user data on your Jackal account instead of on theirs. So if you have Jackal and I go onto a website and they want to store statistics about me, I can give them permission to read and write to a very particular file, like a folder on my Jackal system. And then they could like, I could store my own user data on my account. And then as long as they have read permission of that folder or even write permission, that can be where they store my data. And then at any given moment, I can shut down that bridge. So then the website that did have access to my folder, let's say they were storing like statistics about me. If one day that website got hacked or something, I could just say, nope, they don't have access to it anymore. And uh, I think it's going to create a very different storage paradigm. Like the entire way that we do user data is going to change. Um, and I think that's really, really cool because I think, you know, if, if you have Jackal, why not make your app give the user more control? That just brings people to your app, right? Like if, if somebody goes, oh, I could use Google or I could use this different web service that's going to give me complete control of my data, um, then like your website could build directly into the user's wallet rather than the other way around. So like you're making a social media app all of my posts could be stored on my account and with one click of a button i could delete every ounce of my presence off of that social media and only the things i posted could be like only things that i have complete control over could be viewed on that website and it's just a totally different way of thinking about user storage and i think it's really interesting and think about this other idea um, where your kind of data is harvested and sold. Imagine if you collected your own data uh, from going on to different websites in your own Jackal wallet. And if you want to sell that, you can sell that to who you ethically believe you want to give your data to. And if you want to monetize your own data, monetize your own data. But what Jackal is about is a choice. And it's not necessarily about everything has to be private and, and no one's allowed to see my things. But it's about the the fact that the end user has the choice to you want to sell your data sell your data if you want to keep your data private keep your data private if you want to share your data with a specific friend give viewing keys to whoever or give viewing keys to a website do that but the thing is is that what we're building in is an infrastructure where you have choice from the ground up and you have privacy by default from the ground up and we think that's really important to um the future of the internet uh last question will there be any like restrictions uh for say like a BitTorrent, pirate bay uh any type of I don't know, sites like that. We're not, we, we don't control what, where our users go because uh, how they use the internet. And the other thing is, is that we don't know what our users are storing and we don't know who our users are. So it's essentially just as secure as, as having your own personal SSD. Um, that, that's just the, the fact of the matter. It's, it's essentially, I don't know, Marcy, if you want to speak to that a little bit more. Yeah, like, I mean, it, it, it's a tricky balance. Um, for sure, where like, because we don't have access to it, but let, let's just give an example of like the Tor network. That's that's a, that's a big place for criminals to do all kinds of bad stuff. 
Um, don't get me wrong there. But on the other side of things, it it was it was made by the U.S. government to perform like really high level um, communications between people trying to take down terrorist groups. And so it's like that kind of stuff where it's this weird balance where like, yeah, they don't know who you are on Tor network either, but I guess if law enforcement wanted to, they, they use a bunch of external systems where like Tor doesn't know who you are. Tor doesn't know where your web traffic's going, but you know, you might make a mistake and leave something somewhere. So if you're doing something bad, there's a chance that they could still find you. Um, if you're making things public on our system, but um, I mean, there's no way for us to control what's going on on our system. That's just the nature of decentralization. We don't have access or control over the data going through it. Uh, absolutely. And just to build on that, it, 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 that's like saying that all cryptocurrency is used by money laundering by cyber criminals, which, which it's, it, for Marcin and I, our day job is, is we do investigations for law firms and we do cryptocurrency recovery. We've recovered about $100 million this year in crypto. So we're digital investigators, digital forensics guys that work in this space. And and we believe that we have this, the same defense as Signal, for example. It, it, it's We don't track this stuff and we think privacy is a fundamental human right. So we're not encouraging people to do bad things in our, on our system and we would never do so. But the, the fact of the matter is it's it's about privacy on our, on our system. And um, if... I, I don't think that this would be a place where, where people would do that. And, and I, I think th there's other mediums that people already use to be criminals and criminals are always going to be criminals. But I, I don't think Jackal, the, the benefits of the Jackal system um, for security, if you want to go to a good resource is, is the Center for Humane Technology. And, and they go down the list of all the different ways that we kind of have a broken system built from the ground up. And we think Jackal is a, a really good reset to giving the control back to the end user. And if that, if, if you want to say that has an effect on, on the validity of our system, it, it's when you look at the history of the world in every single technological advancement comes with the first early adopters are user, usually cyber criminals or criminals in general. When trains were created the bandits would exploit the trains when banks were created the bandits would also rob the banks when cryptocurrency was created um that's the same people that are in your dms on discord and telegram right so it, it's i don't think that should be a a reason to not build a fundamental infrastructure that we think is very very important to the decentralization of data and also the protection and the ethics of the internet Right on, guys. I appreciate you guys' uh, responses. Yeah, no, thanks for asking questions. If anyone has any other questions, feel free to come up. Um, I actually have to drop off, but uh, just wanted to say thanks for having this AMA. ton of good stuff, so very interested to keep hearing on the roadmap and everything progresses, but really like what Jackal's doing, guys. So, again, awesome work, and thanks for building this. Thanks, yeah, Jack. No, thanks, Kim. If, uh, we're probably going to shut this down pretty soon, but if anyone has any other questions, concerns, anything along those lines, please feel free to ask them now. If you could just touch real quick on, uh, do you see opportunities, or I'm sure you do, but how to implement NFTs as like membership tokens into certain communities of the, uh, the Jackal ecosystem and what that might look like? That's a really good question. Um, and the importance is that if we chose to do kind of like a subscription model using Pylon, for example, or a equivalent, um, 
the access to the Jacko system would be an NFT in your wallet. And for you to release your currency, uh, sorry, for you to release your um, capital from our system, you'd have to send the NFT back and then we'd release it. So um, yes, I, I 100% think that the ability to store NFTs on Jackal and have that privacy, programmable privacy by default for your community is 100% of it, uh, an ability that you can have. What do you think, Marcy? Yeah, I mean, I just, I think you just nailed it on the head um, there. Jackal gives you the choice to have programmable privacy. You can integrate it with smart contracts. You can integrate it with normal Web2 servers. Like, as long as you're, you know, building something with Jackal in mind, it will work for anything you want it to be, whether that be storing something, whether that be like, theoretically, you could build a system almost like NFTs on our platform where you store files as like JSON files and then they sit in somebody's folder on their Jackal system. And so that kind of stuff is all, is all kind of built in there. You just have to, you know, build on top of Jackal to start accessing those kind of things. And that's another reason why we're open source is we want everyone to come and, and just be a great place for people to build. Anyways, guys, I, I think we're going to shut this down now. I, I have to get back to to work, but um, if any last minute questions, now would be a good time to ask. If not, uh, we're probably going to shut this down. Just going once, going twice. All right. Thanks everyone for coming. And uh, we'll probably be doing this every Friday or second Friday from now on. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Thanks for coming, guys. Thanks for all those who attended. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Jackal AMA recorded on Friday, January 14th, 2022. This episode of the Ether was brought to you by Orbital Command, a community validator on Terra dedicated to educating, expanding, and promoting the lunatic community. Find out more at orbitalcommand.io. TerraSpaces appreciates their support. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. When I'm ripping and rapping, I ain't picking the bastards who be tricking the masses into getting their asses kicked. Feels like I've been getting my masters. Fuck a pump and double like the income that's passive. Raise up the bar before I fly right past it. I'll be writing rhymes till they put me in a casket. Old man shit, put the lotion on its skin. Then put that shit back in the damn basket like Buffalo Bill, the way I'm ruffling feathers. Snuffing out debt, cut the heads off collectors. Keep a couple heads in a jar as keepsakes. And take the rest and turn them into free. Upgrade the feelings, supply the free base Looking all professional, tools in the briefcase Running on empty from gassing up my teammates First one down, let me know how that sleep tastes impossible defending the plausible from end to demonstrable the mission isn't even worried about the clearance running interference till our enemies fear us we're only one disappearance away from a bad day everybody trying to save face on the last day feeling fancy about to pull out the mass eh? drop the eight ball in passing that's so passe i'm getting nasty you cannot put it past me a mix between blasphemy and tuck everlasting feeling like a masterpiece looking like a tragedy trying to get through another day full of savagery getting headstrong from working in the mess hall all hands on deck waiting for our next haul i need the rest got big plans to eject so feed the grass and keep off the kleenex i am interested in magic because i am fascinated with psychology i love to learn about how people make inferences how they draw
interested in all that can go wrong. Uh, how an individual can be led astray from certain cognitive vulnerabilities are exploited. Ten spaces.